Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Jazz will be back home middle of next week. they got a couple home games Wednesday and Friday in between these three-game road trips. Coming off the win in Chicago, we've got uh, comments rolling in on Facebook and on Twitter. Jazz not perfect, but they did enough to win in Chicago. What do you expect from them now? Where do you think this is going, going forward? And we got a lot of people who've taken this and gone off on their own tangent, PK. There's multiple people discussing something that... I don't really care about, and I'm quite certain you're not really going to care about. But if the player cares about it, we do care about it a little bit, I guess. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, are they getting to the All-Star game? And I think some of this, and I think it was, uh, it might have been thorough, but I think it was Matt Harpering who addressed it on a game recently. They got to win and get to the top four, because if you're running sixth, you're probably only getting one player, and there's too many guys in the West. If they get hot here and just crush all these teams that are in front of them that are sub-500, maybe they're top four then and they get two players in. How much, how much should any of us obsess about whether these guys go to the All-Star game when really deep down it'd probably be better off if they just had the time off? With all this talk about resting players, why not rest during the All-Star break? It doesn't matter. Uh, I think if you're 26 and 23, you don't need the rest. I think that's ridiculous. I'm not worried about the rest. I think that it's important for the Jazz to have an all-star because it sends another message that it doesn't matter who you play for. If you play well enough, you will be recognized. And there is there is obviously a bias in terms of the attention that goes to Los Angeles and, and, and to the Bay Area and all that stuff. But I think it's important that greatness be recognized no matter where it is. So from that perspective, as the Jazz try to emerge from the shadows of being this backwater community, I think it's very important. And if Gobert doesn't make it this year, it's an absolute travesty. He must make it this year. He has been sensational. And if he doesn't make it, then I don't want to hear any coach because they're the ones who vote on it, as I understand. Talk up unless you're voted in the starting lineup. I don't want to hear anybody talk about defense because he is the best defensive player out there. He's the most impactful anyway. The rim is a vault. It is locked shut. It's like it has armed security when he's out there. We see it night after night. From We watch every single game, and it is highly entertaining to see guys try to go, and they got their head down, and they look up, and they see, oh, there's Gobert. Nope, and they dribble out. Mm-hmm. Or they try to throw him some stuff, and it gets blocked, or it's altered. It's ridiculous. So I think from that perspective, that they need to have an all-star. One of the things that I think, and I was listening they play the promo from uh, Jake Scott and Gordon's show, and it's Jordan Clarkson. And they ask him about being traded to the Jazz. And he said he knew guys that told him, George Hill told him, Kyle Korver told him. And the more that that word can be spread, that that is a great place to be, the more it breaks down barriers. I mean, we've joked about Dennis Lindsay and myself breaking down these barriers. I think these barriers have taken substantial reductions over the last few years to where it is barely an issue. But now you want, I know it was a big deal for Hayward. He wanted to be recognized as an all-star. And that's one of the reasons why he went to Boston because it has all the glory in Boston. If you do it in Boston, 
it's basically you're doing it as big as it gets. Right. And so he wanted that. And that was one of the reasons. So that's why I think it is extremely important that Gobert get named to the all-star team this year to recognize the jazz as a franchise, no matter who you play for, if you're good enough, you can get all the publicity because it's been a number of years since the statues have been gone now. Right. And then they, and even Boozer and Williams had a little bit going on, but they've been gone. And so now you haven't had an all-star what? This would be the fourth year, and that's why you need to make sure that Gobert, and it's not anything that the Jazz need to do because it's obvious. His play speaks for itself. So from that perspective, I think it's very important. I think that uh, the question is really, Rudy, I, I think the odds are really pretty good that Mitchell's going to get named. They're looking for offensive guys. He's 13th in the NBA in scoring. Some of the guys in front of him are in the East, so obviously you're not competing with uh, Bradley Beal and Antetokounmpo and uh, uh, Siakam, who are all elite scorers in the league. And then when you look at the guys in the West who are in front of them, some of the guys in front of Mitchell aren't winning. Devin Booker is, uh, they're basically neck and neck. Booker's two or three tenths of a point in front of uh, Mitchell. So I think there's a pretty good chance Donovan Mitchell's going to end up in the game. The question is, do they want to put in two guys off a sixth-place team? So if they win some more, I can see him getting in, but there is definitely the big market bias, and there's definitely the offensive bias. So it's a, it's a hill for him to climb. Having the two Defensive Player of the Year awards ought to make it easier. And if the Jazz, who are now 10 games over 500, get 15 over or get beyond that, then I would think his odds go way up. And it does, I think the one important thing that it does harken back to is what you said about Hayward. On the list of reasons that he didn't want to stay, that he did want to go, one of the factors, and I don't know how to weight them exactly and rank them exactly, but one of the factors was what kind of stardom can you get in a small market. Whereas if you go to Boston, you got all the tradition, all the glory. You're playing, first off, it's just bigger. I mean, it's top 10 metropolitan area in the U.S. And then it's just got all this legendary Celtic tradition. So to the degree that matters to players and that players uh, you want to embrace that and Rudy wants to be the best and you know, Locke was on talking about how he drives himself to be the best. Well, if you're not even getting into an all-star game and there's 24 guys there that that is going to be personally frustrating. There's no way around that. Yeah, I think Gobert makes it ahead of Mitchell. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't think Donovan at 25 points a game, the odds are that good? Or do you think the odds are really good for both of them? Yeah, I didn't say that the odds are bad. I just think that Gobert gets the nod ahead of Mitchell. He has more of a rep, and he is singular. A lot of players can score. Doesn't matter. I mean, I take that back. It doesn't matter. But a lot of players can score. But there is really only one player who can do defensively what Gobert can do. Gage says, I think the Jazz' best path to two All-Stars is Donovan getting voted in and then Rudy getting the coach's vote. Uh, Right now, Mitchell is nowhere near getting the vote to get started. I mean, he's trailing a guy who's not even playing this year. Curry's getting a ton of votes, and he's out for the season. Uh, We have seen in the past with foreign guys that you can get a whole country. Now it's one thing if it's Yao Ming and it's China, obviously, with 1.3 or 1.4 billion people. There's more votes than there are coming out of France. But uh, Rudy doesn't seem to be getting much out of that either. 
So I, I think they're both going to have to go in as uh, coaches' choices. I guess it would help if the guys who get voted in all deserve to be there. Um, and you don't have somebody starting who really doesn't deserve it, but wins a popularity contest. Well, I'd rather get the coaches' vote because that would mean more to me. That would mean my peers in the business, basically, the guys who dissect the X's and O's and who live and breathe it 24-7 have recognized my greatness, not some ding-dong who punches a ballot somewhere. I don't really care about that. That is a popularity contest. That's exclusively, or I'm almost for the point of exclusively what it is. So I don't really worry about that. I, I, I virtually guarantee that Gobert will be an all-star this year. There's just no way he's not going to be. Isaac tweets at us, if all-star votes revolved around how much a player makes it difficult for the other team, then Gobert would certainly be close to the top. His impact on the game is undeniable. Of course. And yeah, we, I agree totally. And we saw that last night. Locke said that they shot uh, 40% at the rim, the Bulls did, and it was almost comical how many shots they were missing at the rim on some position. They had one possession. It, it happened really fast, but I think they ended up with five shots when you count one of the tips. And they went over, and it was because everybody was shooting fast because Gobert was coming. Like I'm just going to fling it up there. I'm going to flip it up there real quick, put it high on the glass, and hope it rolls in because I do not want this guy spiking the thing into the fifth row. I find it highly entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. In addition to the All Star game, we got other people uh, weighing in on uh, the Jazz win over the Bulls as they uh, open this three game road trip with a victory. It wasn't uh, it wasn't perfect. There were flat spots in the game. Certainly, they started the third quarter poorly. And uh, Quinn called a timeout, and I'd really like to know what happened in that timeout. Because there, there couldn't be that much to stay strategically. I mean, it was like two minutes, three minutes after halftime. He had plenty of time to say everything he was going to say. And they came out and turned it over three times. And Chicago went on a 7-0 run. He called timeout. And, man, they came out of that timeout. And that 11 – it's it, the three is such a big deal in the NBA now that an 11-point lead was never a big deal, but it's even less of a big deal now because you don't have to make it up two at a time. You can make it up three at a time. And the Jazz just went on a run, and boom, the game was tied instantly. I'd really like to know what got said in that uh, or what kind of what kind of look he shot him. Something happened, obviously. But uh, Joshua, off that point, he says, we used to lose the close games. <coughs> winning them now, or winning more of them at least, could be all the difference at the end of the year. And... It makes the Jazz tougher mentally, too. Mental toughness, that's in your wheelhouse, PK. Forget the X's and O's. Tell me who's going to will a team to victory. Yeah, I think that's what we saw coming out of that timeout. I don't think there was any great words spoken. I mean, I don't know that there's any great words that need to be spoken at this point. It needs to be about determination. It needs to be about focus and concentration. Those are the types of things. And that's what I saw after that lead went to, what, 11? Was that yeah. the biggest lead that the Bulls had? And then there was that timeout because they came out there and it was a very slow start to the third quarter. And then they were able to just take regroup a little bit. I think it was about the players that just said, all right, no, we get it back in this we cannot allow this 11 point lead to become a 20 point deficit because then it's an issue you know 11 in the middle of the third quarter and it was even uh, longer than that because it was the start of the third quarter 11 is nothing it's basically two or three trips down the floor and you're right back in it and that's exactly what happened so it's just a matter of simply gaining the attention of themselves and I think they did it and then at that point they controlled the game the Bulls made a little bit of a run uh, late and then the Jazz took control again and it was as simple as that 
Uh, from that time out, uh, which actually wasn't two minutes in, it was like a minute and a half in, it took the Jazz three and a half minutes to wipe out that 11-point uh, lead. That was a 12-0 a, uh, a run that put them on top. So when a team can shoot it the way the Jazz can shoot it, uh, and when Rudy can take away all the layups and all the easy shots, it's easy for the other team to go cold pretty quick when they've got to start settling for, uh, for jump shots. And you see in that stretch they missed a bunch of – 20-foot-plus shots that uh, that keyed the Jazz run. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. we got to take a break. we got more of you weighing in. The phone lines are open. 855-340-ZONE if you want to give us a call. We're also getting a lot of, uh, uh, well, later in the show. It doesn't tend to happen this early, but we will be getting a lot of you with your uh, takes. You can pick up the phone right now. Use the app. Uh Use the, uh, the feature there. Open mic feature. The open mic feature, and you can send us your takes on the Jazz and the Bulls, and we will get to all of that coming up. Plus, Locke still working on Joe Ingles. Hopefully we can squeeze him in with the holiday, the road game. Locke. Locke. Sorry, you had Locke Come on. Come on now. Yock. Not Locke. We had Locke on. Yock. I was, I'm going to quote him in the next segment. Uh, Yock is still working on getting uh, Joe Ingles, so hopefully we'll have him in the next hour or so. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. I've put a lot into this season for the University of Utah because it definitely projected to be something special for the amount of talent that you had and the momentum that you had and some of the wins that you put together. I think it ended up being a letdown. As an observer, somebody that just sat back, watched an eight-game win streak that included a really nice win against Washington on the road, a nice win against an Arizona State team that could have given you fits, complete dominance where you had shutouts. You gave Calagusa. You had two games almost back-to-back where you only allowed three points. Like, it was complete dominance. But in the end, it's going to be remembered for end-of-season failure in a championship game and in a bowl game. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz and the Utes picking up victories. Jazz and Utes back at it tomorrow along with BYU and Utah State. The Aggies getting ready to play San Diego State, one of the last two undefeated teams in the country. They'll play in Logan tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Plus four NFL playoff games. PK, what fires you up the most? What are you most geeked up for this weekend? There's a ton of stuff out in front of us. Uh, the Sun Devils got a commitment from the nation's number two all-purpose running back in the country. Sweet. <laughs> What's well, that street yeah, in Tempe where everybody hangs out? Mill. Mill. Mill Avenue. Mill Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Mill Avenue. All right. Party on Mill Avenue. <laughs> is Herm keeping you, uh, it? Is Herm keeping anybody home, or is no, he just no? It's just uh, all California. His magic oh, yeah, doesn't yeah. work in state. 
well, it's too hot. Kids want to get out of state. And the kids who commit from California, they haven't been there every day for, for 18 years to realize, man, this is miserable. So they come in. And so, yeah, he's basically given up on the out of state or in state recruiting. I mean, Colorado just got the best lineman to commit. They played that Under Armour game yesterday, and the kids make the commitments. And so, uh, some big, massive six, seven, eight hundred pound lineman is going to go to Colorado. So, but you're asking me what fires me up personally. That's what fires me up personally. It's not what fires anybody up that listens to us personally. So, for me, what I'm looking for. Uh, NFL games, NFL playoff games, I should say, are just every single one of them seems to be so monumental. So I don't know that once we get to the situation where there's NFL playoffs, I don't know that there's anything bigger. Now, that is a very uh, flexible statement I make because once we get to whatever big deal, it's like, this is the best. Once we get to the Masters, this is the best. And the NBA playoffs, it's like they're talking about how they want to change all these things in a regular season to make the regular season more pertinent because I don't particularly pay attention to ratings because ratings don't determine what I like. I like what I like. Whether somebody else doesn't like it or not, I don't care. So I watch what I watch. So I don't. ratings mean nothing to me. But I understand that ratings have been down in the NBA, so they're trying to do things to make them better. Well, fine. I don't care what you do in the regular season. You can do whatever you want. It makes no difference to me as long as I got my postseason the way I've had it. And I want my postseason NBA hoop. When we get to that, that'll be the biggest thing. So right now, NFL playoffs, that's what's something that I don't know that I – I don't have an NFL team. I've never really had one, but every single NFL game to me is huge. And for the jazz, it's a process now because what's to me, what's really exciting is these 10 or six teams in the West. They all look great. We just, I asked Locke, does he see any team slipping? No, he actually sees a couple of teams go on a run. He evaluates the schedule and he's got, you know, I've been on the road a million times. And the one thing about being on the road is the dullness of the downtime. Well, Locke, I can handle downtime. I can listen to music. I don't think Locke can handle five minutes of downtime <laughs> before he goes nuts. You know what I mean? And so he's got to just delve into all these things. He just cannot sit still. It's the way he's made. I can have hours of downtime and be fine. So he researches all these things, and he sees where that the not what he say the, the uh, Rockets and the Nuggets are going to go on the runs. That's what he's anticipating because he looks that far ahead. I don't do that whatsoever. That intrigues me as far as how good is it going to be this year, these six teams. And then when we get to that postseason, that's just going to be monumental. It's going to be huge, massive at that point because this might be the first time. I don't know this, I don't know this, but it might be maybe not the first time, but a singular time that any of the one through six could beat each other. Have we had that kind of depth? In the Western Conference no. or either conference? No. Yeah. No, we have not. There, there's, there's the occasional outlier. I think you go to go back 25 years now to find a sixth seed that went to the NBA Finals. And, and the Rockets, you know, tanked a big chunk of the season and then they won the title. So, no, we haven't had that. Usually, it's really even hard for a three seed to get there. 
Uh, they can, but it's really hard to do. And that's why at the start of the season I was talking about you know a Jazz team that's been in the 4-5 series three years in a row, and it has had uh, it's basically averaged 50 wins. I think it's been 48, 51, and 50 have been the, the three years, probably not in that order. But those have been the, the, the three win totals. Can they get to 55 wins, or can they get to the three seed? Because either one recognizes a step forward. Now, the way it's panning out here, you're a three seed and you're playing a six, and there probably isn't that much difference. You have home court, so you get to start the series at home, and you got a seventh game if it matters, but it's going to be a tough series. Three six could be every bit as difficult as four or five. There might not be any difference. So, I still think that if you've been a team that's been right at that 50-win plateau, getting to 55 matters. Now, Locke was saying that he thinks it could take 55 just to get to fourth. They could win 55 and still not end up in third, and I totally buy that. I think that the bottom of the West and even the middle of the West isn't that good. The East has gotten better. Uh, the West, there, there's been some drop-off. You know, 8, 9, 10, and 11. A year ago, those were really those were really good teams. Those teams were over 500 midway through the season. And they're nowhere near it now. They're all mostly 7 to 10 to 12 games under 500. So right. I expect that these elite teams, and that's six deep right now, that they are going to clean up against these teams. It's more interesting when the Jazz have a big game. I and mean, circle that game on the 20th against the Pacers because the Pacers just drilled the Jazz last year. And during the broadcast, I'd already forgotten last year's regular season, but during the, I remember during the broadcast, the, uh, the guys were talking about how well, the Pacers drilled the Jazz twice last year. You know, they, for whatever reason, they got the Jazz's number. They, they've taken it to them and they, they get it done. Game in, game in and game out. So circle the game on the 20th. That will clearly be a big test for the Jazz. But between now and then, they just routinely take care of business. And I think what we saw against the Bulls is encouraging as far as answering that question and can they get to the 55 wins because they won differently. We know they're good when Donovan Mitchell is feeling it. He'll get 30 and they'll win the game. We know they're good when Bogdanovich is feeling it because he'll get 25 or 30 and they'll win the game. But they didn't have anybody get to 20 points. They defended like crazy in those final couple minutes. And Zach Levine helped them by launching a quick three that he shouldn't have taken. But, you know, take the gift and, and run with it. They got the rebound. That was the important thing. And the bench played really well. All the guys in the bench were positive. And as Locke pointed out, you know, a month ago, everybody on the bench would have been in the negative and they would have lost the game. But they were in the positive, and they helped the Jazz big, build a big lead and weather an 11-2 to run by the Bulls late in the game and win that thing. So I think that 55 wins... It, it, it probably seems a little positive and a little high-end because the Jazz haven't been there in a long time. They were there in the, uh, or at least close to it if they went right at it, 54-55 wins in the uh, Boozer-Williams era. But this, this, this group hasn't been there. But I think it's doable this year. The, the frustrating thing will be if they get to 55 wins and take this clear step forward and end up being the fifth seed again. I don't think it'll happen, but you can't rule it out. It's definitely in play. I don't view that as frustrating because what do you do in the postseason? That's what's going to determine the success of your season. If you win 55 games and have the three okay. seed and go out in the first round, who cares? Well, that's true. And if you have 55 wins and you're the five seed and you beat the four and beat the one, people won't care about that either. I just think that there's the assumption, and it may be wrong, but there's the assumption from a lot of Jazz fans going in that if they're 55 wins and they're the five, it's going to be the same thing again. 
And nobody Why? wants that. Everybody wants Why? the step forward. I disagree. I'm really? not gonna assume and I'm not gonna assume that it's going to be the same thing. That's what I just said. Is that one through six, this might be the rare time, which actually is an exciting concept for me as a fan because I want entertainment. And if I've got six really good teams, but yet nobody is the Magic Lakers or the Kobe Lakers and Shaq Lakers or the recent run here of the Warriors, that it becomes that, all right, six could actually be one. I mean, I, I know it doesn't play out that way in the seeds, but eventually the point, in the conference yeah, level, it could. It could. The point I'm making is that any of these six teams, that's what's highly entertaining. It's like the NCAA tournament is that you don't know what's going to happen. It's it's not predictable. Now, we had a great game against uh, Clemson and Ohio State last uh, Saturday, right? It was really, really entertaining. But at the same time, you know, when you get there in the moment, it's good. But the whole season leading up to it, okay, and who's Clemson going to play in the playoff? Who's Ohio State going to play in the playoff? We could have put money down on that in September hmm. and stood a good chance to cash in on it, right? So college football in that way, has it's, it's becoming very, very predictable. It's sunrises in the east type thing, which I don't find very fascinating. I want some unpredictability. I want some mystery. And I haven't really had that in the NBA for a number of years, you can just use two teams, maybe each from each conference, and you're good to go. That's not entertaining to me. There's no mystery involved. This year, it very well could. Maybe it's not. But this year, it could. And I find that extremely entertaining. That's why I'm doing my best Ed Orger on voice this morning. Now, we have comments about that. <laughs> we actually, I've been waiting to bring that up. Adam tweeted at us. Hey, uh, David DJ James, is that Ed Orgeron co-hosting with you this morning? Right. I nice. mean, the voice, is, the voice is what it is. And I don't know that if this was Monday, I would be very nervous. But this is Friday, so I'm going to have a couple of days off, obviously. So not going to plan to talk as much. And uh, actually, the voice is better now than it was at 7 o'clock, which is encouraging to me. So maybe I'll get through this. But I, the, it, the opportunity to have some mystery is what creates excitement for me in the postseason. So all of these Jazz games, what do they got, uh, 48 games to go, 49 games? I'm excited about every one of them because it is something that at the end, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the end result's going to be. And that's the mystery of it all. That's the reality television aspect is I can't predict what's going to happen. And I don't really care where they fit in. I want them to have the number one seed for sure. Obviously, we all do. But if they have the number three, the number four, the number five, I mean, they're only two games out of number two right now. So clearly number two is in place. And they're what, three, uh, five games out of uh, one? And yep. if LeBron wants to take a South Beach vacation for a couple of weeks, you know, or Anthony Davis, who's been somewhat injury prone in his NBA career, if he turns an ankle and has to miss a couple of weeks, and as long as the Jazz keep their health, knock on wood, that they could end up making up a, a, a huge difference. But if you are only two games out of second after 82 games and you're in fourth or fifth or sixth, that tells me that there's not really that big of a difference. And so then they've got a shot in the postseason. And in the in these last few years, what did they make the playoffs three years in a row now? Yep. They had a shot to win the first round, the two years. And they did. This last year, the way the seeding played out, we thought, oh, this is going to suck. And it did. 
it, it, it lived up to what it was supposed to do. Going forward here, I don't know what it's supposed to do. And that, to me, you talk about must-see television, that's right there. And the way they're playing now, they're playing better, right? They've won eight out of, or nine out of ten. I mean, any, you'll take any ten, any team, any ten game stretch throughout the history of the NBA. If you can win nine of them, you sign off on it, no matter what. So, what does it mean going forward? Maybe in the end, it doesn't mean anything. But I don't know that, and that's what's going to keep me intrigued. So, to your point about that one seed, that is probably the real prize, if for no other reason that it ought to give you an easy series to start things off. Most of these series look like they could be yes. grinders. And the wild card, yes. I was thinking two was, and because seven wasn't very good. And I really, I, I got to say, the Thunder are outstripping my expectations. And, and maybe they won't sustain it, uh, but they have gone out and they've won eight of their last nine games and they're 13 and 4 over the last 17 games so they were down there with portland you know they were five games under 500 very quickly and now they they haven't they're not level with the top 6 but they're playing at a rate that has got to get your attention and maybe they can't sustain it but if they do sustain it uh, the 2-7 series maybe that'll end up looking just as difficult as 3-6 and 4-5 so well, i don't know that I there'll f- be a big reward for finishing second but there might be couple of things. I thought that was an outstanding trade. You got some good young talent. This Alexander kid, he's a Kentucky kid, so that gets my my attention because Calipari knows how to recruit NBA players. He's proven that throughout. And I thought they would, when we had Barry Tremble on, the Oklahoma City columnist a few weeks back, and I thought that and he's this team is is good. It's not great, but it's good. It's got decent talent on this team, even with Westbrook gone. Now the thing about it is Chris Paul has not exactly been Mr. Iron Man over his career, right? So what's gonna happen there if it it comes and so are they gonna take a hit when that injury and it tends to happen with him? He tends to be in and out of the lineup. But yeah, the, I thought they had decent talent. To begin with, and I never thought that they were going to completely and totally disappear. They were not going to go the way of some of these teams like Phoenix in the last few years. Is you know barely. Uh, I think most of the times they're just winning in the teens. I never really thought that for Oklahoma City. So I think that's a program when you threw a bunch of guys together. The slow start doesn't really surprise me because they made massive changes to their roster going forward. Yeah, I don't think they'll win a first round series, but I certainly think it can be competitive for whoever gets that two seed. And I don't know who that two seed is going to be right now, but yeah, that Oklahoma City one would be fun. Nuggets and Clippers tied for the two seed right now, and the Rockets are just a game back. And then the Mavericks and Jazz are just two games back, so clearly wide open there. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Yak is pacing and staring at the phone and wondering how this is going to work out with Joe Ingles. Hopefully we'll get him on later today, but with the holiday, the game, and a flight today, uh, it, could, it could be dicey. Joe rarely misses, but this might be the one. Okay, most people want, I've actually had people ask me, how many times has Joe missed doing this? Do you have the math on that? One time. Really? It's only once in six I, years. Honestly, I would have guessed like three. No, he's missed once. Really? Only yeah. one. He's huh. been, hey, speaking of Iron Man, he's been Iron Man on that. If he misses today, uh, that's unfortunate, but I don't need no stinking Joe Ingles to put together a great show. <laughs> okay. Thank you, PK. You're welcome. That wasn't the point, but thanks for making that. People still want their Joe. They want their Joe. I get Joe. that. And I want the Joe, too. But I'm just saying, if he, because of scheduling issues, right. cannot do it, I don't need no stinking Joe Ingles to put together a great show. That's what I'm talking about, my brothers and sisters. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Phone lines are open, 855-340-ZONE. You use the open mic feature. Send us your takes. We'll get to those coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Fresh and clean with call to Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. Get three rooms of carpet clean for just $89.95. Schedule with Zero Res today online at ZeroResSaltLake.com or call them at 801-288-9376. All right, PK, we got two topics this morning. Number one, the Jazz beating the Bulls, how they did it. It was unusual. It looked different, and it worked. And then the other thing is uh, your voice. We've had people uh, sending us, you sound like Ed Orgeron this morning, but Sven at Wyo Cowboy in Utah, longtime listener, uh, tweets at us a lot, says, the P.K. Kinahan voice this morning, it's more Gary Patterson than Ed, Ed Orgeron. I can see that, yeah. Remember that time they were going, they got paired with uh, Boise State in the, uh, in the old BCS, and they were playing in the Fiesta Bowl, I think, and... Uh, and and he had to do some talk back on network TV. It's like Boise State. It was just all gravelly, and his voice <laughs> broke, and it was hilarious. And just because he'd been hollering on Saturday into some Texas wind, trying to be heard on the other side of the field. He had one earlier this season with Bruce Feldman that became like a national hit because he legitimately lost his voice in the middle of an answer. Oh, really? He stopped. And was like he's mouthing, but you can't make There's anything. No out sound of it. was yeah, coming nothing. out. Brutal. Well. I'm talking right now, and you can't figure out what I'm saying either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I saw Sven or not, but my flight back from uh, San Antonio in the Alamo Bowl went through Phoenix. And, of course, the uh, same day that the uh, youths were playing on New Year's Eve in the Alamo Bowl, Wyoming was playing in Tucson. Yes. And they won big. And there were tons of people on the plane from Salt Lake to Phoenix going to the game and then on the way back. So they they must have had a pretty good... Pretty good turnout. Wyoming fans like to travel and get to Tucson. That's going to be better weather on New Year's Eve. So, And they got rewarded with a win. So the brown and gold were out in big numbers. Sven oh, yeah. in the mix. Well, uh, Bowl has done a tremendous job there. And, uh, and one of the things that I think has been great about that hire, and I think it's important here for Utah, and I was talking to guys about that at, at Texas um, when I was uh, visiting with them the day before the game is Bowles gets the job and he's later in his fifties. Right. And so he's not looking to move on. So he's not necessarily this, you know, up and comer who's going to just nail it in a press conference and all that stuff, but he's provided some consistency and Wyoming has had one of their better runs here recently because he's not looking to go anywhere. He's going to most likely can't guarantee it, but most likely going to retire there. And so I think that has helped them be more consistent and they've gone to a few bowl games now 
And the reason why I bring this up is because the Texas media was telling me that Tom Herman was extremely interested in a Morgan Scally. And I, I, and I wasn't there yet, but I think on uh, when they met with the defense, it might have been on the Sunday, and I, had, I didn't get to uh, San Antonio to Sunday night, so I wasn't there. But they were telling me that, uh, and saw some of the Salt Lake media, I think Josh Furlong at, at KSL.com was telling me that the, they were questioning Morgan about the job, and he said, well, there was nothing to talk about because it didn't go any it didn't go anywhere. Well, I believe, and this is my own opinion, the reason why it didn't go anywhere is because that's when Utah said, wait a second, we know Vegas is interested in right. a head coaching job, and Texas now is talking to, would be interested in talking to Morgan about their defensive coordinator. We got to make sure it doesn't go anywhere, right? And so they did what they did with that contract amendment thing. And so... When I'm talking to the Texas guys, they were telling me that Herman was extremely interested because Morgan has got a track record now of being a coordinator. He already recruits Houston, and the guy is as personable as anybody you're ever going to meet. We all know that. We've been dealing with him for many, many years. He's as fine a human being, I think, as anybody I've ever come across, right? The guy is so genuine and so sincere. You know, um, a few years back, my wife had cancer. We didn't talk about it much at the end of the um, show. You know, it was a little touch and go for a little bit, but she's fine now. We're, we're, we're six years removed. Well, uh, every time he would see her, he'd hug her. And it's like it was his own uh, sister or his own mother. And so and that's just the type of person he is. So certainly Tom Herman was going to be all interested. And they were asking me about uh, Morgan taking over. And I said, to relate it back to the Bulls thing, I said, yeah, I think that's a great situation because I think it's really important in some places that you have so-called one of your own being the coach and i went through the ron mcbride thing with utah and i went through the gary anderson thing with utah state you know gary wasn't a utah state guy but he was a utah state of utah guy and we all know about the recruiting and what he set out to do and how he built the program and so in some cases you you have to get the right person you don't get the biggest glamorous name you've got to have somebody who understands particularly in utah what it's about and that's why I think Scally, if he ends up being the head coach, it's a great opportunity and it's a smart decision because there should be someone with seamless transition there because he knows what it's about to recruit Utah. And all these guys from Texas, guys have been around for years in this business asking me these questions about it. And they want to understand it too because it just broadens their horizons and they know, they, you know, guys are, people in the media tend to be somewhat curious yep, and want to learn. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is fun to know that stuff. Right. And so then you just, you, stuff that you didn't know, you know, what's it like to recruit at the University of Utah? What's it like to recruit at BYU and whatnot? And so they, they're open to learn because, you know, there's going to be kids that are from Texas to come out. And, and I think uh, you were there at the press conference. The guys were asking uh, Zach Moss. And Zach Moss has always been so eloquent when he speaks as far as, you know, what do you think about uh, if somebody were to ask you? I think it was you. Well, you would ask the question. It was me. Yeah. yeah. You, you take it then. You don't need that. You well, can I, say it I asked him that, and I wanted it for talking sports on Sunday night because I think 
the important thing going forward here is as much as we've talked about Utah needs to build that fence around Utah and keep the best Utah kids, when you look at the teams that Utah wants to beat now, they've gotten good at beating a lot of teams in the league. But if you're going to compete with the teams that have won conference championships, I know Stanford was way down this year and USC was a little down, but Oregon, Stanford, USC have what, all but two of the championships since the league went to 12 teams? Because Washington won twice. And when you look at their recruits, they all recruit nationally. They don't depend solely on their backyard. Stanford, more than anyone, private school, a little different. But Oregon is taking a kid here and a kid there out of everywhere in the West. And we know from recruiting high school kids to uh, Jazz trying to recruit free agents, there's a stigma about Utah. And why would you go there? Well, Zach Moss did it. And so I wanted to hear, because this is probably the last time we'll ever get to talk to Moss and Huntley. They may come back as pros, and we may talk to them. Alex Smith was there. He wanted no part of an interview. And obviously, he's in Washington, and there's stuff going on, and he doesn't want to get pinned down with that franchise in transition in the front office, so it's better just not to talk. Um, but the fact is, we're not going to talk to Moss and Huntley that more. And I wanted to know, you made the trip, and somebody is going to talk to you. It is going to happen. It's what you just said with Clarkson. You know, the media tends to be curious people, and players are curious too. They see guys move through towns. And so Clarkson talks to George Hill, and he talks to Kyle Corver. What, what is it like? What's it going to be like? And they can just lay it out for him. So what are these guys going to say when they get asked by a kid from Florida or maybe Texas or Louisiana or California, whatever, you know, whatever the tie is, uh, but probably Florida kids. Why go all the way to Utah? That, that's a long way to go. And I thought both of them gave really interesting answers. Basically, paraphrasing Huntley, Huntley said, challenge yourself. Do something different and, and break out of the mold. And you can grow and you can get better. And Moss talked about how the coaches challenged them and helped them improve on and off the field. Make them better people. Make them better players. And I think if the Utes are going to take the next, next step, Oregon, Stanford, and USC are doing it. You can look at their rosters and their players from all over. Certainly, there's a lot of players from California on all of those rosters. But there are players from all over, and you have to be able to go get. The Utes don't have a lot of players from Florida, but man, did they go get a couple important players from Florida. And, and you got to do that. And Morgan's got to keep getting important guys. I, I think we're going to see Brand Keithy become a big focal point in the offense next year. Well, they had to go get him out of Katy, Texas. You know, why go to Utah from Texas or Florida? That's what I want to know from those guys. Yeah, and, 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 and you'll see their answers word for word on Talking Sports this weekend because that was the point oh, of asking will. that question. Yes, oh, you will. Sweet, what a man. hook! Sunday, it'll be Sunday. <laughs> Saturday's going to be a highlight-driven show. I don't know if you've seen the schedule Saturday, but we got two NFL playoff games, games and the Jazz and the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies and the Wildcats. It's a ton of sports Saturday, so it'll be on Sunday. I'll have a little more time for that kind of stuff. And, and to your point where it all started with Wyoming and, and Bulls, and I don't think you know the numbers, uh, and people like to call you out for BS just because you're you and they like to attack you, but uh, this is Bulls' sixth year, and if he comes back for a seventh year, which I, I assume he will, but you know, we're not there yet, but assuming he's a coach next year, it'll be the longest run for a Wyoming coach since... Lloyd Eaton, who coached nine years in the 60s, and none of us remember that. And it's three bowl year, three bowls in four years matches uh, the best they've done since the late 80s and early 90s. Lloyd Eaton's most notable oh. thing? What? The Black 14. The 14 players who were kicked out of school for protesting the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh, really? Was that right at the end of his era? Well, actually, it was right cool. in the middle. Oh, really? 
Yeah, he's Coach E. Everybody knows Coach E. Coach E. Coach E. Coach e. <laughs> but before they hired Bolt, before they hired Craig Bolt, they'd gone to three bowl games in 20 years. And well, now they've gone, it, they've gone to three in four years, which matches late 80s or 90s, because they had some good teams, and they won back-to-back... Uh, Is that a Tiller era? Won back-to-back conference titles. No, it was Paul Roach era. Oh, and Roach, okay. to PK's point, Roach did his four years, and he got out. And I'm yeah, gone. Roach, Tiller did the same thing. Tiller did Tiller, six, and then left. Erickson, Timmel, I mean, the list goes on, and right. they've had some ones they've had to fire. But shouldn't it be appropriate that a guy named Bull... Is taking them to bowls? Yes, it should be. Well done. Wordplay. I like it. Good work. <laughs> the voice may be gone. But the, the mind is the, the mind body's is breaking. The body's breaking down. Uh, but the <laughs> mind is still as sharp as attack. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. That's exactly what it is. As sharp as attack. The body's gone. I can't see anymore. <laughs> I got calluses all over is my body. Is the cold medicine kicking in? <laughs> but the mind is still right there. I'm in my old age now. Remember, if you want to come see me, guys, it's between four and six today. Okay. is visiting hours. I don't know but why. the mind is still there. This is a random scene from a 20-year-old movie, but it's on cable all the time, so most of you have probably seen it in the last 10 days, sitting around during the holidays doing nothing. Braveheart, when you started talking, the first thing I went to is that scene where the the Duke goes to, is it his dad or whatever it is? And the guy's like locked up and he gives him the advice, the evil advice. And he's up there and, and basically he looks like an orc. I mean, he just looks terrible. That was what that was what came to my mind when you started talking. No, I don't see any movie that has nudity in it. Forget that. <laughs> That's just I cannot do that. I love a good killing, but nudity <laughs> is just over the line. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.